Amen. What a great song of hope and worship and expectation and anticipation. And of course, what a song reminding us our desperate need for grace. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning. We're going to call it A Time for Wisdom. We live in a complex, complicated, ever-changing world. How do we navigate through the complexities in our relationships, in our vocations, in our homes, our marriages, our parenting, in our singleness? How do we navigate the complex decisions that face us every day? Well, the good news is God has not left us alone. He's given us His Word, and He's particularly given us the Proverbs. The Proverbs we're going to find out this morning have been given to us that we might grow in wisdom to face all the questions that we face. Every one of us has questions about how do you make the wise decision? How do you avoid the, the poor decisions? Even Indiana Jones had to make choices, and they could be poor and they could be wise. You know the Indiana Jones trilogy. There were three of them. Uh, there was the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the Nazis were trying to gain world power by unlocking the power of the Ark of the Covenant of the people of God, the Jews. And then there was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And then the last one was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And in the Last Crusade, uh, his father joins him. And his father, of course, is played by Sean Connery. And in the Last Crusade, instead of the Old Testament Ark, they're looking for the New Testament Grail, the Holy Grail, the cup from which Jesus and the disciples drank at the Last Supper. And it was believed that that grail had special powers. If you drank from it, it would give you immortality. But we come to find out the opposite occurs if you drink out of the wrong cup. And so Indy is looking for this cup, and so are the Nazis, because if they have immortality, then they can take over the world no matter how many times their soldiers get shot. Well, eventually the Nazis catch up with Indy and Sean Connery, his, his father, and they're forcing Indy to use all of his wisdom and skill to find the grail for them. You know, you think, what would ever make Indiana Jones be forced to serve the Nazis? Well, they shoot his father. They shoot Sean Connery. He's got a mortal wound, so unless Indy finds the Holy Grail and fills it with the holy water, his dad will die. We're going to pick up the action where Indy has made it through the gauntlet of all the tests, and, and the Nazi leader has followed him in, and the Nazi leader has an assistant. We'll find out that the assistant's actually wanting to work with the Americans and foil the, the plans of the Nazis. But they get into this large room, and it's filled with cups, hundreds of cups. And remember, drinking from the right cup, choosing the right cup, means healing and life. But drinking from the wrong cup will actually take your life from you. 
Think about choosing wisely and poorly as you watch. I love the understated immortal knight guarding the cup. The guy just croaks and he says, he chose poorly. But you know the rest of the story, uh, it was in fact the cup of the carpenter. One of the first principles of wisdom we're going to discover is we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our own thinking. We can't trust uh, our own perspectives. We constantly need to go to the Word of God. So Indy gets the grail, fills it with water, and then takes it to his father, pours it on his wounds, and of course he is healed. But it's only a movie! How do we choose wisely? How do we avoid making poor decisions? Well, we'll find out all through the book of Proverbs. We're going to spend the entire fall studying Proverbs. We're going to look at a time for wisdom in our walk with God, a time for wisdom in our friendships, a time for wisdom in our families, a time for wisdom in our homes, a time for wisdom in our finances, a time for wisdom in our vocation. We're going to study a time for wisdom in all of its areas. And God has been pleased to give us principles that as we learn, especially in community, we are enabled and empowered to choose wisely. Let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. Follow along with me as I read Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. This is God's Word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us, and he longs for us to develop the skill of choosing wisely so that we may experience the very best he has for us in life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Proverbs. We're so looking forward to, to gleaning all the treasures you have for us in this book that are found in Christ. So Holy Spirit, come and teach us as we listen. Give us listening ears and open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So you'll notice as I read that Proverbs 1, 1 to 7 sets the stage for the entire book. And then what it does is it gives us a group of synonyms for what wisdom is. Now I'm going to use what's called an acronym today. An acronym is a real word and then you make different words out of the letters of that real word. 
And hopefully you'll be able to remember all the synonyms for wisdom, which will actually set the stage for the rest of our study of the entire book. So the word we're going to use for the acronym is wisdom. And then the words coming out of that acronym, of course, will be from the W, the I, the S, the D, the O, and the M. And yes, look at the clock. It's 1142, and I will get through six points, and we will get out of here on time. So first of all, the W, worshipful. That's what wisdom is. It begins with worshipful. We're going to learn as we go through the Proverbs that it is primarily topical. Normally, when I preach through a book, it's verse by verse by verse by verse and in order. Well, Proverbs, it it can be read that way. I'm going to recommend in a few moments that we do read it that way. But we also need to understand that, that Proverbs has all kinds of topics interspersed in various Proverbs. And even in the same Proverb, like Proverbs 1, 1 to 7, it's not always linear in thought. And so I'm going to present truths in a way that I believe will help you memorize what it means to be wise, to live a wise life. So the first principle of wisdom is in verse 7, not in verse 1. The first principle is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One of the things we find out right from the start here is wisdom is not primarily rational. Those of you who think you're really smart, you're in danger because wisdom is not primarily rational. It's not primarily intellectual. Wisdom is primarily spiritual. You can never become wise apart from intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. Now, the other issue here is we're all confused by the fear of the Lord. Because we're confused by the word fear. When we hear the word fear, what do we think of? I have a fear of snakes. Well, what does that mean? I have an aversion to snakes. Right? Well, to fear the Lord doesn't mean you have an aversion for, for God or that you have any reason to have an aversion for God. The fear of the Lord actually means just the opposite of having uh, terror before God. The fear of the Lord is having such an awe and reverence over his whole character and being that you trust that his heart is good toward you and you trust that if God, the good God, has given you any command, it's actually an invitation to your highest delight and pleasure. And if God has in fact given you a prohibition out of his good, wise nature, his loving heart toward you, it's because he is seeking to warn you against your worst nightmare. So the fear of the Lord is being so caught up in the love and goodness of God that you hold him and his words in awe and reverence so that you long to follow his ways because you know his ways are best. And you're so in awe of his love for you and his grace toward you in Christ that you want to do that which he says brings joy to his heart. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And so the beginning of wisdom is to have that kind of attitude, trust, reverence, awe, respect, love, 
trust for the living God. Wisdom in every area of life begins with intimacy with Christ. You don't need to study a book. There's a place, perhaps, for that, and we'll get to that. But wisdom doesn't begin with studying a book. Wisdom begins with relational intimacy with Jesus Christ. So your first step to wisdom is, do you know Jesus? Do you believe you've been created by a personal, eternal God? Do you believe that Adam and Eve fell into sin? As a result of their sin, you're born a broken sinner. You're guilty of Adam's sin, but you've also contributed to your own sin. And that there's nothing you can do, go to church enough, read your Bible enough, do anything enough, to merit God's favor to bring you to heaven. The only thing you can do is cast yourself helplessly on the promise of grace through the finished work of Christ. If you've done that, you've taken the first step of wisdom. And the second, third, fourth, and so on steps of wisdom is continually turning to Christ in humility and desperate need. That's the fear of the Lord. That's what brings wisdom into our hearts. This deep humility that recognizes we're broken, we're fallen. We need to have a healthy mistrust in ourselves and our perspectives. And the only place we'll find wisdom is in Christ. Colossians 1, we just finished Colossians. We did a series. In Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom? Then run to Christ. Wisdom is primarily spiritual, not rational. Secondly, the I. Pursue an insightful heart. Look at verse 2. It's right there. Insight, that's the synonym for wisdom that means you've gained by grace and experience the ability to distinguish between two or more options. That's what wisdom as insight is. And, and most of us as Christians, we know good versus evil. Even many non-Christians, which is interesting because they have no basis to even believe good versus evil, but even non-Christians do at times have a good insight into good versus evil. But wisdom is not just good versus evil. Wisdom is the ability to distinguish between good, better, and best. And be honest, isn't that really what most of us struggle with? Not between good and evil, although we struggle with that, obviously, but we really struggle when we got to make a decision. we got to choose wisely between good, better, and best. Listen, you know how much I, I reverence this Bible. Uh, Psalm 138, verse 2. I know some people struggle with it, but you wrestle with the text. Don't wrestle with me. I have exalted above all things my name and my word. You can't exalt this book too highly. Because God says he's exalted it as high as his name. Now, having said that, this book gives us all we need to know. It does not give us all we'd like to know. Do I take that job? Uh, let's see, John 377. There is none, okay? But you're not going to find it. You're not going to find God telling you, particularly by name, what job you're supposed to take. Should I buy that house? Should I buy that car? 
Should I date that person? Should I marry? All these questions. You may like to know those questions in Scripture. You're not going to get an answer to those questions in Scripture. This book is inspired and it is authoritative. It is not, however, exhaustive. And so God gives us principles that we are through experience and years and counsel and community to imbibe. And over time, we develop insight. It's just like having a distinguished or sophisticated palate. Many of you know I'm a foodie. Uh, Lauren, I love a really quality glass of wine. Okay, you got to develop a sophistication of palate to really appreciate good food or good wine. You know, most people start with terrible wine. It tastes like Kool-Aid, but that's all they're used to. But as they grow and are around people and they're around community that really appreciates the finer elements of food and wine, then they develop a distinguished palate. That is exactly what wisdom is. It's developing a distinguished palate for insight. God is sovereign, but we are responsible to develop this insight. Worshipful, insightful. The S is skillful. Verse 2, to know wisdom. What's interesting, as I said earlier, the word for wisdom is not primarily rational. The word for wisdom in the Hebrew is primarily skillful. So most people think if you want to be wise, just gain a lot of knowledge. Not true. Uh, In the Hebrew Scriptures, it means uh, it's related to skill for making garments for the priest, skill for metalworks for the tabernacle and the temple, skill in executing battle tactics or leading in government. So skill, wisdom, is skill to navigate the practical affairs of life successfully and with excellence in a way that honors God. Navigating the practical affairs of life successfully and with excellence in a way that honors God. Let me give you actually what the best definition is of wisdom or skill. It is skill in developing the right use of knowledge in the right way at the right time with the right means for the right ends. I'll say it again. Wisdom is skill to make the right decisions, the right use of knowledge in a right way at right times through the right means for the right ends. And here's the thing, people. You can't just try harder to amass knowledge to gain skill. Skill comes partly through time and experience. Jesus himself, with respect to his human nature, though it was untainted by sin, he still had to grow, develop in wisdom and in stature. Luke 2 52. So pursue a skillful heart. 
And then the D is a discerning heart. Look at verse 4, also known as discretion. And this is the part of wisdom that plans intentionally and strategically the various areas of life so that they come under the lordship of Christ and the counsel of the word of God. That's what it means to be discerning. Planning what needs to be done in every arena of life. See, we we should have an overall life mission. I believe that's something every one of us should work on. But within your life mission, you also have all kinds of areas of life. Again, your church life, your relationship with God, if you're married, your marital life, if you're single, uh, relationships you have with, with other folks uh, outside of your own family, uh, vocation, uh, finances, all these areas. And a person who is prudent or discerning, I should say, verse 4, discretion, is a person who plans well for every area of life. Okay, the other thing that leads to discernment is recognize that the Proverbs are written to sharpen your mind. Look at verse 6. To understand a proverb, a saying, and riddles of the wise. Do do all of us here, any of us here, well, people my age, you know, Prevagen. You've heard of that, right? Okay, Prevagen is supposed to make old people be able to continue to use their brains. So I take Prevagen. Okay, I'm an old person who needs to use my brain. And, And all it basically is is vitamin D. Okay, well, to really have wisdom, you don't need Prevagen. Who knows, Prevagen might not even work. But I figure, what do I got to lose? But what does work are the Proverbs. Okay, and the Proverbs is like a huge dose, every time you read it, of vitamin D. It is, it is exercising your brain, like Sudoku puzzles for the spirit or crossword puzzles, or whatever it is you do to try to keep your mind in shape. Proverbs does that. They are written in order to exercise your soul in the gym of wisdom. And so they help you grow in discernment. So let me add to whatever devotional you're doing, and it won't take a lot of time. If you're doing the church devotional, great. If you're doing your own devotional, great. But always read one proverb a day. Read the the proverb that is the day of the month. 31 proverbs, 31 days in most months. Today's August 22nd, so today you'd read Proverbs 22, right? Tomorrow is uh, August 23rd. Tomorrow read Proverbs 23. It is so easy, and yet it's it's, it's taking your soul and your mind and heart to the gem of God's wisdom. Worshipful, insightful, skillful, discerning. We only have two more, and I got four minutes. I am totally relaxed. (laughs) Pursue an observant heart. The O is for observant. Now we get to what I misspoke of a few seconds ago. Now we get to prudence. Prudence is being observant. Prudence is being on the alert. Prudence is being fully aware of your surroundings. Prudence is wisdom as the skill to look down the road past your decisions to intended and unintended consequences. Oh, if we did this more often. Take the time to pause in prudence 
and ask God for the skill to look down the road on whatever decision I make and to ask him for the ability to see the intended and unintended consequences of our choices. And then the M, meek. Pursue a meek heart. And in some ways, this is the key, and it takes us full circle back to their first point, which is the fear of the Lord. A meek heart is one that is humble, that is filled with an awareness of our own brokenness, that acknowledges that we are just like the Nazi, prone to believe wrong things about Jesus, assuming that the king of kings, of which he is, would drink out of the most valuable and precious goblet, when in fact Jesus is gentle and lowly and humble in heart, a carpenter who is the savior of the world. And the Nazi was looking for the wrong thing. And how many of us are looking for the wrong thing because we've forgotten to be meek? We've forgotten to be humble before the God of the universe. So verses 2 and 3, to know instruction, to receive instruction, to be teachable, to be humble. Now, what's interesting is the word instruction is often translated discipline. For example, it's the same word, instruction here, that uh, spare the rod and spoil the child, instruct them in the way that he or she should go. And so when we think of discipline, we often think of slapping a hand when something bad has been done. That's actually not the meaning of discipline at all. What discipline means is to use a teachable moment to give oral instruction to someone who, because of circumstances, is open-minded. It's looking for teachable moments whereby we can instruct others and we could be instructed, both by God and Scripture and by community in fellowship. Most of the time, biblical discipline relates to education. But again, not just educating the mind. Educating the whole heart. The thoughts, the emotions, the feelings, and the desires. We need great humility in order to become wise. Then look at verse 5. It talks about uh, the Proverbs give us guidance. It's, It's how a ship is steered through its rudder. It's, it's how a horse is guided uh, by the bit and bridle. And God calls us to approach the Proverbs being willing to be steered, being willing to be guided. Not like your stereotypical man who will never stop for directions. Right, ladies? I, I, I heard this story. A, a guy that used to work, and I'll close with this. He used to work. See, I told you I'd get finished. He used to work uh, for Focus on the Family. And he had a friend named Edwin. And Edwin had just bought one of these cars that, like, I have a car that'll alert me if I'm backing up into something or if I'm getting a little on gas, it'll have a light and maybe a beep. Well, this car actually had a, a gentle female voice. 
that would speak up. Like, like I've done this with my GPS. You know, you can program your GPS. I've programmed my GPS to be the woman who speaks with the nice Irish accent and lilt, right? I just want to hear Irish. So, so I call her Siobhan because uh, I know some Irish folks in Northern Ireland and, and one of the gals, two of the gals are named Siobhan and I thought, okay, she's going to be my, my little guider here. I'm going to call her Siobhan. Well, this guy called his girl uh, who was giving him uh, all these voice commands and, and instructions. He, he called her Jane. Well, he, he got, had the car, had it for several weeks and uh, Jane's voice comes on and says, you're low on gas. And Edwin says, well, thank you, Jane. I'm so pleased that you told me that. But he figured he had 50 miles. And so uh, about 10 miles later, Jane comes on again. You're low on gas. And even though he knew it was the same recording, he could swear that she sounded a little bit harsher this time. (laughs) So then he keeps driving. And sure enough, she comes on again. And he thought it was really angry. But it was the same voice, the same way. She says, you're running low on gas. So he pulled off. He's now steaming mad. He reaches under the dashboard and just yanks the wires out. Jane is no more. He starts off again, quite pleased with himself, and he immediately runs out of gas. He says in the story that he swears he could hear Jane laughing at him the entire time. Well, God won't laugh at us. He won't mock us. He loves us, but he wants us to learn to pursue wisdom through a worshipful heart, an insightful heart, a skillful heart, a discerning heart, an observant heart, and a meek heart. And remember, it is in Christ that are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if you want wisdom, The first and continual step is to develop intimacy with Jesus Christ. I can't wait to gulp down all of the drafts of wisdom that God offers us this fall. I hope you're excited as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thanks for Proverbs. And oh God, may we be humble God, that's the one thing it seems that wisdom requires is humility and need. And so, Lord, may we have a healthy mistrust of ourselves. Might we lean upon each other. And most of all, oh God, might we lean upon your word. If there's anybody here this morning that doesn't yet know Christ as Savior and Lord, may today be the day they transfer trust from their own efforts at being good and trust in your promises of the finished work of Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction. Promise of God's love and grace, and also the promise, James 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously, and will never reprove you or think you're silly for asking for wisdom in any situation. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Abba Father, and the fellowship, transforming power, and wisdom of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.